This is Truth Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. Uh, this is going to be number three of the question and answers. We're just going to go into it. I have a bunch of other questions, and we're not going to stop there. We'll we'll do the whole marriage mini series. We'll get into that, but this is yet another one. Here's the deal. So I have a question for Matt. Oh, uh, let me do the whole thing that I'm supposed to do in the beginning of it. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, please do. If you have any questions, info about nocropbiblechurch.org. There we go. All right. So, uh, <laughs> Matt, how you doing today, sir? Uh, wonderful. That's Pastor Matt. And Beverly is still here. She's uh, she's hanging out. So here's the deal. So, and, and I love her uh, more than more than anyone else in this world. Okay, so here's the question. I have this question, and this actually is one, off of one of your sermons. It just popped in my head. No, this is actually from the Sunday school. So the lineage of Jesus includes a bunch of foreigners, non-Jews. Yeah. Why is that significant? Because I'm thinking about uh, Rahab. Yeah. Uh, Ruth, Ruth is 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 yeah. one as well. Not even foreigners, but uh, harlots. Yeah. 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 What, what, what was? Why is that significant? Why? Why is yeah. it that? Because I know in uh, Luke chapter one, yeah. we goes through the lineage of Jesus, and yeah. in a lot of places where they go through the lineage of Jesus, why is that so important? Yeah. Okay. Uh, because they could have just mentioned the 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 guy, like they could have just mentioned Boaz. Yeah. They could have just mentioned whoever you know Rahab. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, the the short the short answer to keep with our shotgun. <laughs> Uh, desire here <laughs> yeah. to give quick answers. No, remember, everything's always about God's grace, mm-hmm. right? At the end of the day, God's scripture is just constantly elevating his holiness, his justice, and his grace. Mm-hmm. And when you see the lineage of Christ and you see uh, Rahab, you see Ruth, you see, uh, you know, these people in there that you're just like, man, that, sh- that, that shouldn't be in the sense of in our perspective. Mm-hmm. What you see there is God's amazing grace going beyond anything that man could even imagine, reaching further than man could even think, and using people that, that man would never use, right? Mm-hmm. And so for the Israelite, you know, thinking of a Moabite, right, or a Canaanite, mm-hmm. uh, Rahab being a Canaanite and Ruth being a Moabite, mm-hmm. both ites, that's never going to happen. They're mm-hmm. never going to put that in the lineage of the Messiah. So again, a couple things. One is it elevates God's grace. It mm-hmm. shows that his grace is greater than anyone can even ma- imagine. It reaches deeper than anyone can even see. But it also, you know what it does? It mm-hmm. proves that this was not made up by man. Yeah. Who good. would who would develop a story of a nation as as individually prideful as Israel was slash is on many levels nationally, right? Mm-hmm. Their nationality is everything. Their ethnicity is 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 an idol for them still to this day, right? Mm-hmm. And to see that the Messiah would come through uh, an ethnicity that is marked by foreigners and aliens, <laughs> nobody makes that up. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So yeah, that's the that's the short answer. Because I saw that, and you mentioned uh, this is the Sunday school when you're talking about Ruth, and I was like. Oh man, 
That, yeah, she's she's not supposed to be there. Nope. She's, she is nope. a, a, a Moabite woman. Yeah. And Boaz is, is, is coming on the scene. Like, how is it that she fits into that? So, because in God's sovereignty, right, his mm-hmm. plan from the beginning, which you see this so clearly in Genesis 12 with uh, Abraham and the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis 15, 17, mm-hmm. and so on, you see that his plan from the beginning was to be was to bless the nations. Yeah. It was to bless the nations through Israel, but it was never simply just about Israel, right? Yeah. They were the conduit to be the blessing to the nations. And even in the lineage of the Messiah himself, you see him reaching out and pulling in yeah. the outcasts. I think that would be a good question, too, to ask a Jew that yeah. question. Uh, yeah. To see, you know, to, to kind of get them the, the bigger perspective of yeah. what God's plan really was. Yeah, and, and well, and an illustration of how massive this is is why Jonah struggled so much with mm-hmm. God's grace, right? Right on the Ninevites, mm-hmm. and he just it, he hated it, and it, it, it infuriated him that God would be gracious mm-hmm. to those wicked sinners. Well, I mean, he was gracious to the Jews who are wicked sinners, yeah. But that was the point; they didn't see it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's your short answer. That's good. That's good. So, uh, <laughs> see, I can do it. Yeah, you could. You, you can. It's, it's good. That's good. So, okay. So, this is the other one. All right. So, uh, this was actually, this actually came up. T- this question came during communion because uh, you were talking about uh, the blood and it represents life. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, if that's the case, and I have on here as Deuteronomy states, so yep. it must have been yep. a quote that somebody came from Deuteronomy mm-hmm. talking about uh, mm-hmm. the blood being life. Mm-hmm. Uh if that's the case, what does the body or the bread represent then? Yeah, uh, well, because if the if the blood represents the life, then what do, what does the bread represent? Yeah, um, it all represents Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, you have to um, you have to be careful that you don't. Um, it's in Leviticus Leviticus seventeen eleven, uh, where uh, Moses talking about the reality of the sacrifice Mm -hmm. and how the life is in the blood right and so when you you know not to be uh too explicit but reality when they would slit the throat of the goat or the lamb or whatever they were sacrificing you know and the blood would run out you know it was all a picture of life Mm -hmm. it was that that animal was giving its life Mm -hmm. for the life of the person who was who was offering the sacrifice and so um Blood throughout the Old Testament and even in the New Testament with the gospel, it speaks of life, Mm -hmm. right? Christ is giving his life, so his blood is shed, his life is going out. He's dying because his his blood is being offered, and we are receiving it because we receive, you know, we are washed in the blood, so to speak, Mm -hmm. in the sacrifice. So, yeah, so the the body, um, the bread, speaking of of the body that Christ was given— there have been all kinds of people that have taken the the elements and driven them to allegorical, fancy, crazy things. And so um, there's a whole group of people that look to the blood and see this uh, special, the blood has special power. Um, there's even songs written about it and things that take the blood to a whole nother level. I used and, to sing that song. Yeah, and, if, and, if we're talking about the same one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and it gets a little, it gets a little, you know, theologically wonky. Wow. And uh, you know, and there's there's a perspective there. It's there is power in the blood, right? And but yet at the same time, what are we saying when we say that? Mm-hmm. Are we talking about his life, death, and resurrection? That's what it's representing, not the entity of the blood. 
And there's all kinds of people that have taken the blood and they dissect it out. And in the blood, this happens and this happens and that happens. No, when the Bible's talking about it, it's, it's, it's speaking clearly, right? It's talking about death, Mm -hmm. right? When the blood is seen, something's dying. When blood is there, something life is, is, is resulting from death. And so I think we got to be careful that we don't drive it much further than that. So the, the memorial, which is communion, and what all happens there is we're, we're seeing Christ give his, his life for us who are believers. And that's, what we're, that's what's being represented, his sacrifice, his body. You know, um, we can fixate on the body being—the body wasn't broken— so that's, you know, we, we will sometimes say that, but remember Psalm says none of his bones were broken, mm-hmm. and so we have to be careful with that. Well, his flesh yeah. was cut. His so, flesh was cut and yeah. all of that, but my point is it, he was, he was as I, Isaiah says, he was bruised, he was beaten, mm-hmm. you know, and his body was, you know, mutilated in that sense. And, of course, crucifixion was horrific, and so that's the elements are just reminding us of that. Uh, the blood is reminding us that his life was given. He died, mm-hmm. and the Bread is reminding us that he died. He gave up his body, mm-hmm. right, uh, for hours. And so uh, um, trying to drive the elements symbolically to mean much more than that is taking it farther than Scripture says, mm-hmm. because Jesus says very clearly, this is, my, this is my blood, which is the new covenant, which is the signature of the new covenant, which is I'm giving my blood, my life for you so that you can have life. This is my body. Mm-hmm. I, I lived uh, in this life, and I've died in this life for you. And uh, I think um, you've got to be careful to driving it much beyond that. And many have, and many get all excited about the blood. There's a whole group that thinks Jesus took his blood into heaven and offered it up as a sacrifice in the heavenly temple and all these things. And it's like, yeah, no, Scripture, you got to be careful. And uh, it's a memorial that speaks to the life and death of Christ, and that's what we focus on, right? Not not the specific uh, uh, some sort. Again, this is where Roman Catholicism gets, you know, uh, yeah. they gets, it gets off track, where yeah. they fixate on specific things, the shawl that Jesus wore mm-hmm. or the nail that, you know, and then now it's just like the blood of Christ carries with it some sort of special, mm-hmm. you know. No, it, it was his life and death. Mm-hmm. It wasn't his physical um, hemoglobin, right? right? It, wasn't, it wasn't that. Mm-hmm. It was. It represented his life, mm-hmm. which is everything, and his death, which is everything. Mm-hmm. I think that was the first time the word hemoglobin was used on this podcast. Yeah. So. <laughs> but that's, that's my point, right? People will take it and say, you know, the. I mean, that was the whole thing with Roman Catholicism. Here's a hair, you know, of of Christ, and yeah. it's just like, so it's a hair of Christ. You know, that's mm-hmm. not the point. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, that's what we do all the time. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is one that's uh <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. I'm just gonna ask it. All right. Uh you were talking uh this is back to one of the sermons that you talked about, which we haven't even talked about on the Truth Talks podcast yet. Uh we haven't gotten to it yet. Uh but one you were talking about how uh it, this was from the sermon, uh is it Liar Lunatic or Lord? Yeah. And you were saying how uh, there are people that will think that you are crazy for what you believe. Yeah. So um, Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses are called crazy for their beliefs. Yeah. And they actually have uh, they actually have um, Jehovah's Witnesses have an interesting thing about the blood, too. Really? Oh, yeah. There's a whole there's a whole thing. That's why 
don't do blood transfusions. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. That's yeah. right. Which is they, all. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people have died from that, yes. too. So they, they yeah. were trying to change that. Yeah, and how they view stuff. the blood. So yeah. that's a whole, again, showing. Yeah. It's, you get some strange views, man. Anyway, sorry. Well, they're 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 called crazy because of what they believe. Yeah. And uh, my question was, because when you said it, it was like, yeah, you know, family members, friends, yeah. whoever think I'm crazy. Yep. They say the same thing about Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons. What makes yeah. us different? Yeah. So uh, we're, your question is coming out of Mark chapter 3, where Jesus is um, um, essentially called out of his mind, lunatic, crazy by his family, mm-hmm. his brothers and sisters in particular. And uh, we were you know, wrestling with that passage and how reality is uh, that will happen to believers mm-hmm. by and large Jesus said this would happen mm-hmm. uh, we see it throughout scripture it happened to uh, those exact words that exact Greek word is used uh, for Paul uh, when he stands before Agrippa that he's out of his mind that mm-hmm. his learning has made him mad we see it with Peter in the sense of he was seen that way uh, we see it with the early church and I mean just see this throughout scripture right this mm-hmm. is this is uh, this is what happens and and your point is well taken in that um, it happens pretty much with anybody that has a conviction is seen as crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's your point, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we do, we look at certain groups and think something's wrong with them, Yeah, but we don't look at them and say something's wrong with them because they have a conviction. We look at them and say something's wrong with them because their conviction is not biblical. Hmm. See, you see the, the, the point? Yeah. So it all goes back to what is your conviction? You, we should be people of conviction. We should believe what we believe, right? But the problem isn't that that we are passionate about our belief, like a like a Muslim would be, like a Jehovah's Witness would be, like a Buddhist would be. I hope they would be passionate. I hope they would believe what they believe and have a conviction and and stand up for it and defend it. If you don't, then you don't believe it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where most people, you know, uh, um, are right. No matter an atheist. He's passionate about what he has. But the reason why they're out of their mind is because their conviction is is totally outside of Scripture. It doesn't line up with truth. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a conviction, whether it's Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Roman Catholicism, atheism, Buddhists, Hindus, the list just goes on forever. Mm-hmm. All of that totally contradicts Scripture on every level. And that's why that is different. Mm-hmm. Right. And so uh, but the reason why um, the world looks at Christians and says that is because we are following Scripture. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, now, what I said, I think, in that sermon, and it needs to be said again, is um, there are some people that are just plain weird. <laughs> and it's sad. <laughs> it's sad. And there are some people who claim the name Christ and are weird. And yeah. they are genuine Christians who are just weird, mm-hmm. right? And there's all kinds of reasons for that. And I think we need to be careful that we we don't we don't play on or feed into weirdness, right? We're not called to be weird. We're called to be faithful. Mm-hmm. And in being faithful, we will be looked at as weird. So go back to the analogy a couple podcasts ago. You were talking about Pilgrim's Progress. Mm-hmm. Well, throughout that journey, Christian <clears throat> is seen as weird a yeah. couple times, yeah. especially when they go through Vanity Fair, mm-hmm. right? And so Christian and Hopeful are going through uh, 
Vanity Fair, and uh, they're just trying to get to the other side of the town and keep going. But because they don't dress the way the the townspeople dress, they're not partaking in the in the amusements and the drink and the and all the entertainment that the town's involved in. They're just minding their business, and they're you know they've got on their their uh, garb that they were wearing the. Uh, armor, uh, the armor of God. And so they look way different and they're acting way different. Everybody's jovial and enjoying themselves and getting drunk and doing what they do at the, at the perpetual fair. And they're just going about their business, just trying to get to the other end. And the people didn't like it. Hmm. And they thought they were weird. They weren't doing anything weird. They were literally just trying to walk through the town. Mm -hmm. In many ways, that's the way it is for us as believers, right? Because we're not partaking with them, they look at us as weird. And then, of course, once they, once they questioned them, then it became really clear. These people are weird because they don't agree with us. They think we're wrong. So it is with us as believers. Some, as soon as somebody questions us, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Well, because the Bible says this. The Bible says that. The Bible says, and it never fails. You believe that book? What is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Right? And so, yeah, that's, that's what was happening with Christ in many levels. And uh, now his family was confused about it. Um, but as it pertains to the other religions and the other groups you referenced, um, they are um, out of their mind because they're, one, deceived, they're enslaved to sin, and they're um, totally in under the power of the evil one, mm-hmm. Satan. Mm-hmm. And so they're clearly under the realm of darkness, but the reason why they do what they do and it is what it is is because it doesn't line up with truth. Mm-hmm. Right, we're following truth. That doesn't make us weird. That makes us faithful. They're following error, the evil one, Satan. That doesn't make them weird per se. That makes them lost, and of course, out of the mind, meaning they're following error. So, is, gotcha. that, is that helpful? That is that's very helpful. Yeah. Um, I uh, I have this this other question, and it's kind of a a, a, a basic type of question. Mm-hmm. Um. Say the the person that's listening to the podcast right now, it's it's kind of new as a believer. Uh, and um, what would be a good starting point as far as like the the Bible is concerned? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this would be type of Bible that they should purchase. Okay, but also where to start uh, as far as like reading yeah. and, and those things. Good question. Um, I would highly encourage them, you know, just taking your question, they, they have no Bible. Mm-hmm. I would encourage them to get a... Or they do, they just yeah. have... Yeah. I would encourage them to get a MacArthur Study Bible. It would be the first thing, the first purchase I would make if I had available. Mm-hmm. I would buy, uh, personally, I would buy an English Standard Version or a New American Standard Bible, mm-hmm. one of those versions. I would use MacArthur Study Bible. That'll be probably the greatest gift or tool they will ever own. It's such a great resource, mm-hmm. so so helpful, and um, so I would I would buy that version, and I would buy that study Bible because it'll be really helpful for them by way of the introductions, and the notes are really good. Uh, they're not inspired, um, you know, the upper portion of the Bible that is the Bible that's inspired, not the notes, but mm-hmm. they are good and they are helpful right. and very very helpful. The the glossary, the uh, concordance, the the theology section in the back is worth the price of the Bible. It's mm-hmm. so helpful. Um, anyway, definitely I would do that. And then I would I would read, number one, the Gospel of Mark. 
Mm-hmm. If they're a new believer or or a uh, young believer, they need to grow in who Christ is. Mm-hmm. It's all about Christ. Everything's about Christ. He is the answer. He is the hope. He is the point of everything. Mm-hmm. Without Christ, we are nothing. With Christ, we have everything. The more you grow in Christ, the more you grow. Mm-hmm. You want hope. You want joy. You want strength. You need to saturate your life in Christ. Because in so doing, you know God, and it's all about knowing and honoring God. But you can't know God apart from Christ, mm-hmm. right? And so so how do you do that? Well, we have four Gospels, four uh, similar yet distinct accounts about his life. And I would start in Mark because um, I think it's the fastest, the quickest, and the easiest to read in the sense of its length and the short stories. And I would start there. And I would also, um, if it, if it were me, I would go to the old Testament and I would read a proverb a day, a chapter a day. That's a good place to start Mm -hmm. by God's design. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. There's generally 30 to 31 days in the month. And you could read uh, a, a chapter a day and so I would read a chapter in Mark, I would read a chapter in Proverbs, and um, if uh, you would uh, read, if you did that, you would read through Mark twice, and you would read through Proverbs once. Mm-hmm. I would do that for three months straight, mm-hmm. and watch and see the massive difference. The Proverbs is the book of wisdom, you will gain so much, it is so helpful, so encouraging, while you're saturating your your mind on Christ, that's where I would start, and then mm-hmm. I would grow from there. That's good. That's good. That's a good. Uh, that's a good way to to kind of just start off with everything. Um, so I don't have any more questions, Beverly. Do you have any <laughs> questions? No, not right now. No. Okay. Well, hey, I got a question. Sure. Yeah. So while I've got you guys in <laughs> in the room, um, you made a statement a minute ago about your wife uh, being the woman that you love. Give us, uh, give us two ways that your wife has helped you grow in the Lord. Two ways. Well, one, uh, you were speaking uh, in the last podcast about, uh, you know, giving yourself up for her. And uh, that's what the church has, you know, instructed us. Uh, sorry, the Bible has instructed us to do to give you know, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and give yourself up. Um, it has been a an eye-opening experience understanding how selfish I really am. Mm. And uh, that has been painful to see, uh, but very eye-opening and very strengthening for uh, not just our marriage, but my character as a man. Mm-hmm. So with that being the case, uh, it's 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 a struggle uh, because every day I'm finding out more and more how selfish I am and what I need to work on uh, as the scriptures wash me, you know, and, and cleanse me. Uh, I have to, in turn, wash her. Mm. And so that would be one way. Uh, the second way is, uh, is, is understanding what love actually is. Mm. Um, so... Uh, I, I would think, uh, and and I think that many men that listen uh, would think that love means uh, bringing home a paycheck mm-hmm. and checking the box on that. And it's like, you see it. Here you go. I love you. Um, but the many ways that God uh, shows love through scripture um, and uh, how, you know, the Bible says Christ loved the church and gave himself up. I mean, that love and how that's illustrated uh 
one studying that has has really helped me grow. Um, but then the same time, actually doing those things and actually putting those things into practice have been two ways that I have grown. You know, the first being uh, the giving yourself up, and the first and the second being love. And I did that kind of like how the 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 Ten Commandments are are, are are put in there. It's like at the very bottom is greed. At the very bottom is the one that's the hardest and the most important. Um, so I think that the love part kind of just feeds into that giving yourself up. Uh, but yeah, those would be, I would say the, the two ways that would, would be the, 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 the two ways that I've grown through, through marriage and, uh, have been challenged, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So Beverly's a good helper. She's helping you. She's, she's definitely helping, helping me. So can you help me now since we only have a little bit of time (laughs) left and, uh, give us the gospel in a very, uh, shotgun way. Yeah. So the gospel begins with God always. It begins and ends with God. It's a gift of God. God is holy and man is sinful. God is a holy God, meaning he is perfect. He is without sin, without blemish. He created us to worship him. We have worshiped ourselves. That's called sin. We have rejected God's word. We've rebelled against God's ways. We deserve eternal judgment because we've sinned against an eternal God. And thankfully, God uh pours out his grace and mercy upon us by sending his one and only son to earth to die the death we deserve and to live the life we could never live. And the gospel is if we will repent of our sins, recognize it, reject it, run from it, and trust, believe, faith in Christ alone. If we will do that, God says we will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and we will have eternal life with him forever. Because Christ raised from the dead, he was risen from the dead, and so will we. And that is the gospel. Amen. I love the gospel. Thank you all for tuning in to the Truth Talks podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it. Please come back for the next one. Uh, They're always good. I I say that uh, very well. Thank you all. Take care. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Bell Crop Bible Church.